Okay, high time now for our tune of the week. Come on, let's go. This is the Media Industry Guru Show, the show that exposes you to entertainment, music, film, TV, and tech. We're online 24-7, 24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. Welcome to the Media Industry Guru Podcast. Hope everyone's enjoying their fabulous end of Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I'll be sharing with you a very special guest who's an educator, entrepreneur, author, and podcaster. She's the founder of I Voted Festival, garnering over 450 plus artists to her virtual 2020 festival, including with artists such as Billie Eilish, Playboy Cardi, Jim James, Maggie Rogers, Young the Giant, and many, many more. This is incredible. She has an educational book and podcast entitled How to Build a Sustainable Music Career and Collect All Revenue Streams, as well as another publication entitled Interning 101. Let me introduce to you entrepreneur, consultant, founder, educator, artist developer, Emily White. Welcome, Emily. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here, Forbes. So tell us about your background and how you got started in this music business. I was a huge music fan growing up. I'm originally from a suburb of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, There wasn't much of a music industry in the village I grew up in. And I was fortunate to go to Northeastern University in Boston which has a great music business program. And I did a lot of internships there as an undergrad. Um, I interned at Potterfinger Promotions, which does college radio and PR. Um, I interned at, um, unfortunately it's no longer there, but WBCN, which was a great and famous alternative rock radio station. Um, I interned at an indie label at what's now Live Nation New England. Um, I did an internship in New York at uh, VH1 Classic. And then I did one in London at um, VH1 and and MTV there. Um, And then I met a band called the Dresden Dolls when I was in college and and really grew up with them uh, professionally. Started out as their intern, became their merch person, tour manager, day-to-day manager. Yeah, I graduated, but I didn't walk because we were at Coachella that day starting a four continent tour with Nine Inch Nails. And so when I graduated, um, the band had taken on management, this amazing guy named Mike Luba. Um, So we worked it out where I would do day-to-day management for the band um, in New York at Luba's office when I wasn't uh, on the road. And then otherwise I would be on the road with the band. Um, I did that for three years, um, retired from tour managing when I was 23, uh, came off the road, worked at Luba's company in New York, Madison House, uh, full-time. Um, and then Luba left um, to work at what was called Live Nation Artists, um, which is now Rock Nation. Um, he brought me um, that it was a half a billion dollar division of Live Nation. And, and going into it, I was like, this is either going to be the biggest thing ever or a big disaster. But if it's a disaster, it'll be a great <laughs> learning experience. And I kind of viewed it as grad school. Um, I worked on Zach Brown Band down there. That was awesome. Um, we were laid off seven months later. Um, so I started my first management company then in 2008, um, we launched Whitesmith entertainment at that time and managed musicians and comedians. 
Um, we expanded into sports in 2012. Um, and then my longtime business partner left management around 2018. So I partnered with uh, two protégés at Whitesmith and formed Collective Entertainment, um, where I said, on one hand, you know, we're just moving our music and sports division. No, I said, on one hand, I, you know, um, I want this to be whatever you want. But on the other, we're just moving our, our music and sports divisions over. We actually did start I Voted Festival when I when I still had Whitesmith. So that was that was in like 2017, 2018. And through that, we produced the largest digital uh, concert in history that took place on election night 2020. Uh, fans RSVP'd to access our stream of over 450 artists with a selfie at home with their blank and unmarked ballot um, or from outside their polling place. And now we're building I Voted Festival 2022. Um, we're partnering with venues to let fans in on election night who showed their selfie and then also producing our large webcast. Within that, you know, within the past five years, I wrote both of my books and then um, they both have accompanying podcasts as well. So that's the most concise version of my background I can get. Wow. It's such an incredible journey that you've had in this business. And you have a very diverse background with a lot of different hats you've dived into. So kind of backing up, how did you get in touch with Amanda Palmer, who's part of the Dredson Dolls and help them professionally? Was it just like right place, right time at Northeastern? How did that come about? Well, the Dresden Dolls were a local Boston band when I was in college, but they were a local band on the rise for sure. Um, I first saw them play at the Boston Music Awards, I want to say in like fall 2003. The Dresden Dolls played at my school um, at Northeastern. I think we still have like a non-alcoholic, all ages club called After Hours. And I mentioned that because it it pays artists well. So mm -hmm. if, if you're touring through book, book at After Hours at Northeastern. So we would able we were able to get a band like the Dresden Dolls who who drew well and and you know were were doing well. Um so I introduced myself to Amanda at the merch table after the show and I said I was nervous, but I said, um, you know, this uh, I'm studying music business. I intern at WBCN. I write for a local music magazine. Let me know if you ever need help with anything. And she was like, can you come over tomorrow? Um, because a local band on the rise like has an infinite amount of work to do. So turned out she lived like a 10 minute walk from campus that I would go there, you know, pretty much every day and help with whatever needed to be done and um, really uh, became an integral part of um, of that band. Wow. That, that's so cool how like you can launch a band's career just from the ground up, just by seeing them at the right place at that venue at the right time. After you graduated, you weren't able to walk. You had to make that sacrifice in order to help your career grow. There are pros yeah. and cons in that. Um, and you can't be in two places at the same time simultaneously. Do you have any regrets not walking and seeing your friends kind of walk down the aisle or... Do you believe in order to be successful in this business, you just have to take those risks? Yeah, no, I have no regrets of that because I was actually like, this is not a diss to anyone else, but I, I was living my career. You know what I mean? I was doing what I, I was supposed to do. I actually just went to my partner's mom's master's graduation and like cried because I was like, oh my God, this is so moving and everyone works so hard. And I realized I'd never really been to one since my high school graduation and that was rained out and indoors and awful anyway so no no regrets um touring changed my life and yeah i just think like the more you can put yourself out there the better i mean graduate for sure i have met young people oh gosh i remember 
we had an intern, I'll just say from an Ivy League school who dropped out to work at the management company I was at. I, I was just like, are you kidding me? You know, like, um, so I don't care if you're going to an Ivy League school or not, but it's really important that you get your degree um, because you don't know if you're going to want to change fields or, you know, a, an opportunity might come up where they require that you have a college degree. So on one hand, put yourself out there. On the other, like, I still graduated. I, it, yeah. The walking was just a formality. And then right after you left college, you worked at one of the most iconic promoting firms, Don Law Company. What were your day-to-day -day responsibilities? And can you elaborate on how these skill sets from an entry-level standpoint helped you become more entrepreneurial and launch your business? Sure. Um, I actually uh, interned for them. So I worked for them, um, I want to say, the winter of my sophomore year. Um, they're now Live Nation New England. Um, it was a great experience interning for them. Um, it was very corporate, which is not very me. The more experience you can gain, like, as early as possible, the better, because it's it's better to figure out when you're 20, 21, you know, what you don't want to do as much as what you want to do. So mm -hmm. um, that was a good lesson in that. And then through that, I got um, a job when I was in college, ripping tickets and doing guest lists at some of my favorite venues in Boston. Mm -hmm. And it paid, it, I mean, by college standards, it paid really well. Um, so yeah, that, that was an awesome experience. And I'm definitely still in touch with a lot of people from there. Wow. Um, and you were able to garner so many opportunities in Boston. A lot of people don't necessarily associate Boston having that vibrant music culture like New York, LA, or Nashville. Sure. So um, do you believe that sometimes even the most unique cities can have the most vibrant music culture? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, we live in a global music industry because anyone can record now. Uh, anyone can distribute, anyone can market themselves from, from anywhere in the world. I mean, Bon Iver has built an empire in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which is in northern Wisconsin and um, fairly far away from, from any major city. So it's all relative, right? Like yeah. um, coming from a village in Wisconsin, Boston was like the perfect stepping stone city for me. Um, I, I moved to New York after I graduate and I, I've been a New Yorker ever since. Yeah, it was, it was just a great, I mean, it's a major city, but but you're right, it is a little smaller. Um, so like I said, it was just kind of perfect in between. But I, I just interviewed um, Brian Biglione from the Dresden Dolls for my podcast, and he's from New Hampshire. And and I think his path, as far as this goes, was, was similar to mine, where it's just like, okay, Boston's like the closest city, like, I'll, I'll go do that. I mean, Boston wasn't the closest city from Wisconsin, <laughs> but it was it was the perfect size, perfect, you know, major city, but not um, I wasn't ready for New York yet when I went to college. Um, so, yeah, so Boston's Boston's fantastic. That's for sure. That's for sure. But there's great music. Honestly, there's great music scenes everywhere. It could be Eau Claire. It could be wherever. That, that's what I love about the modern. One of the things I love about the modern music industry and um, and something that I think the pandemic has really shifted, right? Like there's been like so much great information online. You don't necessarily have to spend thousands of dollars to go to a conference or South, South by Southwest, not to take anything away from those experiences. But um, yeah, you can do any, you can do almost anything from anywhere at this point, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's become a lot more global and a lot more accessible due to the pandemic. But even now in this day and age with such a lot of digital media, like you can like just find like opportunities galore and concerts galore. <laughs> totally, exactly. You're also a adjunct professor. You've written a publication entitled Interning 101. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what the premise of this book is and what made you interested in helping others grow into the music business? 
Definitely. So I felt like at our management company, we were explaining a lot of things over and over uh, or like kind of semester after semester to interns. And I was like, well, why don't I write this down for everyone? Because then they can read it and have that as kind of like a guidebook. Um, and then they can work on higher level things. And I had two really wonderful interns uh, that summer when I was, when I, so I wrote what I called the, called the in, intern manifesto for our company. And I said to two really great interns, you know, if I turn this into a how-to book for you and your classmates, would it be helpful? And it was like a resounding, overwhelming, like, yes. Um, so I didn't set out to be an author. It just felt like there was information that can be difficult to be taught in the classroom that I wasn't really seeing um, in interns. So I, I wrote it down for everyone. And I, and, and I don't know if I'll ever get around to this, but um, I kind of want to expand it into almost like modern office skills 101 or something, because when we see a team member kind of dropping the ball in certain areas, um, you know, we'll ask them to reread interning 101. And sometimes they're kind of offended because they're not necessarily an intern. And I'm like, this is the tenants of this book is how my business partner and my companies communicate and function. Um, so I think there's a lot more um, information in there beyond just, I mean, you can intern at any age, but beyond, you know, just for 18 to 22 year olds. Mm. And what would you say are the most important sections that students should like highlight multiple times, read multiple times, underline. Are there any specific chapters that you would highly recommend? Oh man, honestly, the whole book, but <laughs> the whole version is um, to make yourself indispensable. You know, like that's actually how you get a job after college. Like that's what I was with the Dresden Dolls. Mm -hmm. I would never say I was a third member of that band, but uh, functioning with me was a lot easier than functioning without me. Um, so much so that the band literally wrote my name into their management agreement with Madison House and said, we will pay a higher commission if you employ Emily White. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's what you want to do. But then you need to learn all these like soft skills and nuances uh, to be able to get there. And then what made you after you published this book, what made you decide to launch a second book? You launched How to Build a Sustainable Music Career and Collect All Revenue Streams. It, would you say that this book is geared towards just singer-songwriters or it can be geared towards anybody who wants to be in the music business, whether you're a manager helping the artist, a booker helping the artist, promoter, uh, in radio, etc. Yeah, it's all of the above for sure. Um, it's definitely geared towards, you know, artists who uh, songwrite, record and play live. But, you know, if you only do one of those things or part of those things, like there's still information for you. And I see industry people buying this book every single day. Um, you know, the shift to digital is still, uh, you know, is still evolving. And, um, so industry people are trying to educate themselves as well. Um, but again, like this was another one where musicians kept wanting to get coffee and pick my brain. And um, I was just having the same conversations over and over. So I was like, okay, why don't I write this down and um, hopefully can help more people that way. And and I really felt like if it helped, you know, one musician, I'd be happy. But the fact that I hear from musicians every single day, um, thanking me for it is mm -hmm. uh, really heartwarming to say the least. And again, it's, it saves me time. It's like, we literally had one of our board members that I voted asked my opinion on 
um, distribution platforms. And I was like, here's a free copy of my book. And here are three podcast episodes that <laughs> cover that. So wow. if that's not enough info, I mean, here's six hours of talking yeah. about it. And then like, you know, 10 pages in a chapter. So again, it just saves everyone time. So would you say that it's really rewarding helping their career, helping them personally and professionally? Do you find that just really rewarding? I do. It's a little surreal. I don't know if other people have these experiences where it's like sometimes I read stuff back or listen back. I'm like, I wrote this. I I know all this stuff. <laughs> um, but it's really just been an, an accumulation of experiences over the years and and figuring this stuff out. And yeah, it's. I mean, I got in this to support and help artists. So um, the fact that that's what's happening is incredibly heartwarming. Going into your entrepreneurial spirit, you have so many different entrepreneurial adventures. Like, how are you able to develop your brand and just get these like creative skills flowing? Did you have like uh, a mentor to bounce these ideas off of? How did you lock these ideas in? Yeah, um, I haven't been asked about my brand in a long time. And I remember the first time I was asked that was about 10 years ago and I thought it was so funny. Um, I'm just myself, you know, <laughs> like I try to only post positive things on the internet. I am who I am, and I think that's um, it, it was that was never intent that was never intended as a strategy. But when people are trying to figure this stuff out, whether you're an artist or an industry person, what connects with people is authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as my entrepreneurial spirit and all that, I mean, my my first mentor mentors are my parents. Um, they've run really successful swim teams um, since before I was born, so. They've always worked for themselves and um, you know run businesses before. Um, Mike Luba, who I mentioned, I definitely consider my music industry mentor. Um, he's incredibly forward-thinking. He um, has done many things in his career, but uh, like Madison House was started around the band, the String Cheese Incident, and way before anybody else was doing this stuff for the most part or talking about it. You know, they built. Um, an in-house label, in-house merch company, in-house travel agency for artists and fans, um, in-house PR, in-house booking, in-house management. Now that's a little more common, but they were doing it super early on. Um, Luba also successfully sued Ticketmaster so String Cheese could sell their tickets directly to their fans. So again, like when I had ideas, um, like for Amanda Palmer, I came up with a name your own price model. for her first solo album because I'd seen a fan come up to her at a show and and give her a check for like a few hundred dollars and say, I just want to support you and support your art. This was like 2007 or 2008, like way before Patreon or anything like that. Um, And so I wrote a business plan around that, even though I knew the label would never let us do it. And Lube was like, this is amazing. Let's get on a call about that. So he's always been really, really encouraging and and not threatened you know what i mean like i i started working for him when i was 20 21 and i think a lot of people might have been threatened by like how close i was with the band and he's just a really righteous person and um you know wanted to do, always has done what's right uh what's best for artists and was really um really supportive and encouraging for me and in, in my education and my career but I also think that mentors don't always come in the form that we think they do. Um, you know, I hear from students a lot, like, how do I get to get a mentor or things like that? <laughs> and 
I don't think I realized Luba was my mentor until a few years ago. You know, mm -hmm. like if I would have oh. used that word to him then, I mean, I don't think he would have laughed. He's not like a jerk, but um, it just was a natural relationship. It wasn't anything mm -hmm. formal. So definitely keep that in mind because I hear from students a lot like, you know, I didn't get the mentoring that I wanted or expected at an internship. And it's like, well, oh. did you communicate that to them? Yeah. Because like oh. they might be, going through a divorce, have a million artists, have kids, <laughs> have a million things going on. So like they're doing the best they can, and, like you're there to help them and then learn from this kind of, you know, for better and for worse chaotic environment. So um, yeah, make sure people make, you know, make those expectations clear if, if, if you're looking for something a little more formal because otherwise you might be disappointed. The formation of I Voted Fest, now kind of segueing into that because that was just so pivotal with the 2020 election and with the Georgia uh, Senate election. Did you expect, first off, did you even expect it to be virtual or were you planning on hosting this in person? Yeah, great question. Um, so we actually launched I Voted for the 2018 midterms. And I thought of it because um, the presidential election in my home state of Wisconsin in 2016 was decided by 22,000 votes and change. And it was decided next door in Michigan by 10,000 votes and change. And I'd read that voter turnout was down amongst young people in Milwaukee, where I'm originally from. And I was like, 22,000 is our basketball arena. Why don't we put together a compelling concert and tie in voting? Um, so that's what we did for the 2018 midterms. We activated over 150 venues in 37 states to let fans in on election night who showed a selfie from outside their polling place. Mm -hmm. And it was just an intern and myself, um, and it was an idea that caught fire and all these amazing artists performed and we got a lot of great press. Um, so I was holding arenas in, in key states for 2020, um, you know, planning to produce large voter turnout shows uh, when the pandemic hit. So we pretty instantly pivoted and then ended up producing the largest single night digital concert in history. Um, I think, I mean, maybe I would have thought of that anyway, but I think that's a natural evolution coming out of artist management where just like, there's a problem, you have to solve it. You know, you don't always have a lot of time to like, yeah. <laughs> think about it, you just gotta do it. Since you're expanding this, um, I voted fest to like every midterm election and every uh, four year presidential election. Do you have any goals in mind that you hope to accomplish? Any uh, strategies that you'd like to utilize that you're currently not using? Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we want to expand into the NBA um, because the I voted concept is certainly not limited to sports. Um, so show yourself you get into an NBA game. Um, I, you know, we're not funded. So, you know, when we are, I mean, this would probably be like bonus, bonus funding, but like, <laughs> I want to do, I voted for every election, like local elections are, are super oh, important. So I mean, cool. there's local elections decided by a few hundred votes, you know, that's the size of a venue in most of our neighborhoods. Um, so yeah, so I, yeah, we want to do, I voted at all elections. Um, we need funding. <laughs> And uh, we want to expand uh, beyond music. In, in We've done a little in, in sports, but I want to expand deeper into sports. And would you say that the reason that you kind of want to expand deeper into sports, going back to your college experience, being a D1 athlete and coming from a sports and athletic family? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, that is probably why I default to sports next i mean maybe if i came from a family of chefs i'm like we need to <laughs> crush it in the cooking industry or whatever so 
Um, you know, like we worked with, we were partners with an organization called Gamers Vote in, in 2020. Um, so like, I want to, you know, I want to activate everyone for voter turnout. Like, I don't know a lot about gaming. Um, so my point is, yeah, to answer your question, yes. I think I just defaulted to sports because that's what I know through my background and my family. But um, we want to get everyone involved. Wow. Yeah, definitely check out I Voted Fest um, for the 2022 um, midterm elections. Now, how do you juggle both your personal life, professional life, being an entrepreneur and author? And now you launched your podcast uh, based off of your book. How do you balance all that? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, when it comes to work, I mean, I'm very, I'm very structured. Um, I, you know, I'm, this might be my next book. I don't know, but um, I'm very routine oriented. So um, I get nine hours of sleep every night. Um, I exercise first. Well, I have like a green smoothie first, usually <laughs> local organic. Uh, produce and then and then I exercise usually for an hour or 40 minutes depending on what I'm doing then I eat breakfast also local food super into that you know for I I, I get so much extra energy from from eating local um, and then I meditate and then I start my day and I also do a yoga posture um, pretty much every time I switch programs or kind of every 10 emails um, I, I have a regular yoga practice as, as well. So really like health and wellness it is, it, and meditation like really helps to, uh, you know, prioritize your time and figure out what needs to be done. I, and I'm very structured too, you know, like um, I try not to schedule too many calls a day because then if something major does come up, then you have room and you're not just like stacked. Um, personal life, like, I don't think that's something I've necessarily been the best at in my career. I'm, I'm way better at it now for sure but it, it's hard because this stuff is fun and cool and exciting <laughs> and um so don't forget about like your regular friends you know because all this <laughs> other stuff can change and, and come and go and um i know most people know this maybe they don't but it's just like just prioritize the right stuff prioritize what's important to you like i i was just <laughs> talking to someone how um, I went to Costa Rica for my birthday this year and I took two work calls when I was there um, because they were both potentially about funding for I vote. And I was like, well, that's my one exception, right? <laughs> just, you know, prioritize your, your health and your wellness because um, it makes it makes a big difference. So it's like, I, I'm okay, you know, but it's like, that was a yeah. lesson of like, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't neglect your personal life stuff, you know, because it's like this stuff comes and goes, even though it doesn't seem like it at, at it doesn't seem like it at the time. You mentioned also one of your upcoming 2022 um, New Year's resolutions is the word peace. Can you elaborate on that? Does that kind of go hand in hand with your health and wellness aspect? Or it, are you just making this kind of broad um, peace politically, socially, etc.? Yeah, um, I think I wrote that in your intake form. Um, because a year ago, uh, a year ago this time, I was in the hospital with appendicitis. And I think oh, that sorry. definitely came out of producing multiple I Voted Festivals, um, including I Voted Festival Georgia, because we worked over the holiday break. And that's like mm -hmm. the only time the entertainment industry takes off. So I think I meant like, you know, like peace in my body, peace of mind. Um, you're right, like, actually, like social, political peace. I think more my theme for this year is love. 
Um, I just read a really great novel called um, The History of Love, and now I'm reading uh, Bell Hooks all about love. So um, I think I'll amend that to love a little bit. But in that moment <laughs> when I filled up that form, I think I was thinking peace of body, peace of mind, and, and peace for the world. Any last parting words that you'd like to share with students? Anything that you would like to uh, promote? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I shared the Cliff's Notes version of Interning 101, so everybody knows to make themselves indispensable. The Cliff's Notes version for the Sustainable Music Career book, um, both for artists and industry, is data collection for yourself. Um, it's something I preach pretty hardcore to artists and, and talent, but um, you know, people ask me like if there's anything I regret in my career. I didn't have an answer for a long time, but now it's not a regret, but something I could have done way better is collecting that data for yourself. You know, so every industry person that you come into contact with, like have a Google spreadsheet, pop their email address, their info in there. Um, so then you have that database of your own contacts because social media platforms evolve. And, um, you know, I when I was younger, I if you would have told me, like, you won't remember all these people, like <laughs> I wouldn't have believed you because I was so excited. But, you know, your network just gets into the thousands of people and um nice to have a database of people people you know that you've come into contact with and, and know what they do and, and linkedin's great and all that but you know everything evolves so um yeah so create a database for yourself of your industry contacts yeah definitely now we're in this digital age we don't need a rolodeck anymore so you can go digital with that exactly <laughs> awesome thank you so much emily it's a pleasure having you on the podcast and for all those fans check out her two books and the I Voted Fest for the midterm elections. Best of luck, yeah. Emily, and congratulations with everything that you've accomplished in this industry and wishing you much success for 2022. Thanks, and you did a great job plugging. I did not do a great job plugging. Um, both, we mentioned this, but both books are podcasts. Um, the How to Build a Sustainable Music Career and Collect All Revenue Streams podcast is the number one music business podcast in America. We've had Bone of Air, we've had Run the Jewels co-manager, Image and Heap. Um, so if if you want the, I mean, to me, it's easier to read the book because it's shorter, but like if, if you don't feel like reading and you want the book in podcast form, that's free, you know, wherever you get podcasts and all that. So thank you, Forbes. I appreciate it. Yeah. Check out her podcast. It's on Anchor. I know there's a lot of guest speakers on there from Donald Passman's book, um, All You Need to Know About the Music Business um, and many, many more. So best of luck, Emily. And Looking forward to hearing about the midterm elections. Awesome. Thanks, Forbes. Yeah, I voted best will be on November 8th. I promise that's the last vlog, <laughs> but that's election day. <laughs>
for the latest and dopest updates that you will see regarding the podcast. Email at mediaindustryguru-podcast at gmail.com for any interviews that you would like to hear or if you are interested in being on the podcast. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on the Anchor app, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Breaker, and more. Thanks again for all of the support. All, all, all of the support. And peace out and rock and roll.